It's ETE for me. We are live. Community broadcasting, education, technology, and entertainment. Welcome to the CoBeat Podcast, hosted by D. Bale. What's really good, world? It's your media arts specialist, educational technologist, D. Bale, host of the CoBeat Podcast. And I'm happy to introduce you to episode number two. And we're going to title this one The Ed Tech Ep Part One. And the Co-Beat Podcast is the home for ETE, ETE literacy. We're talking about education. We're talking about technology. And of course, we're talking about entertainment. So I'm very, very, very happy to be with you all today. Thank you for clicking play and listening. I appreciate all the support for the first episode of the Co-Beat Podcast, which came out about a month ago. Once again, I want to thank you for joining us here at the Code Beat Podcast, the home of ETE, literacy, education, technology, and entertainment, of course. So today we're talking about educational technology, which is also known as EdTech, and its importance in educational development and a variety of fields. So one of the first things that I was surprised to learn about educational technology was that it exists outside of the spectrum of just the classroom. It coexists in many different fields, not limited to, but including the medical field, the corporate field, the entertainment field, of course. Anything that you can think about that involves delivering content that helps you to do something better, learn something better, or understand something better, there's a space for ed tech within those worlds. So once again, we're talking about corporate, we're talking about medical, we're talking about military, we're talking about entertainment. There's just so many different spaces that ed tech can exist into. If we talk about ed tech just in terms of a definition via tophat.com, I thought this was a great explanation of what educational technology is. It is a term that is used to describe a wide array of teaching and learning software and hardware that is increasingly being used in college and university classrooms. The ultimate goal of educational technology, also referred to as ed tech, is to enable and improve learning environment, which in turn is meant to boost student outcomes. So that's via tophat.com. A very basic definition of what ed tech is. So we can also say not just boosting student outcomes, but boosting employee outcomes as well, because we're also going to take a look at this ed tech in a corporate space. So why is ed tech important? Why is it being made such of a big deal of right now, 2023, 2024? Well, ed tech, of course, plays a very significant role in the corporate space, because everybody that comes into a job or a career needs to be trained. So ed tech can help out with some of that development. Uh, we're going to break down more specifically what those elements would consist of. But just looking at online learning and training as a whole, companies can utilize what we call LMSs, learning management systems. And LMSs simply are online modules that deliver educational content and basically organizes it, it streamlines it. Blackboard is one of the more popular LMSs. 
especially on the college front. Through my experience of gaining my master's in educational technology, I worked asynchronously, meaning that all the work was done online. There were no physical in-person classes and all of the content from the syllabus to the actual curriculum to the video, audio, whatever was inserted into the actual class was available on the Blackboard LMS. So just looking at it from a corporate perspective, one of the things that I had to do in both my education and entertainment roles was take what is called Title IX training. And Title IX training is basically, it's a course that you go through where you learn about how to protect, how to report, and how to understand different scenarios of sexual misconduct and what to do when you're faced with these situations as what they call mandated reporters, especially on the educational end. So it, it gives us these scenarios, for instance, if a student is being sexually harassed and they confide in you what you're supposed to do with that information. So that is a huge example of how educational technology can enhance online learning and training. Think about the time that's being saved if I can simply insert a link into a, an employee's email for them to go through this course. It saves a lot of time. It also makes things more easily accessible for that employee. And then me on the employer end, I will be able to track how long that person stayed on that module, how many answers they they got correct, and so on and so forth. So Online learning and training is one of the first things that educational technology helps to enhance. So looking more into other things, we also have what's called micro learning and micro learning basically offers these detailed, uh, specific lessons to your smartphone that pertain to whatever areas you need to learn. So it's not a one size fits all type of situation. Let's say, for instance, you know, you work in retail and you need more assistance in learning how to accept returns from customers. Right. So we might give you a micro learning course that just focuses on returns versus putting you through a module that speaks about the do's and don'ts of customer service, because that might be too broad. That might not be specific enough for what you actually need to learn. So micro learning is another piece of ed tech. Uh, gamification, which I spoke briefly about on the last episode, is a way that we can literally tap into people's interest of either gaming or competition, right? Because I might not be a gamer, but I'm competitive. I might like to play cards. I might like to play, you know, flag football on the weekends. I just like to compete. And I find that gamification has been a way to really connect with, especially with the with the youth population, because a lot of them are into gaming. So by adding elements of gamification into learning, that is a specific part of ed tech that is becoming increasingly popular. For me, I use applications. One of them is called Quizlet. And Quizlet is really cool because not only do they have modules that are already set up to run, let's say on finding the main idea or specific vocabulary or fractions that other educators have developed 
you also can personalize content into Quizlet and teach your students that way. So if you upload a Quizlet lesson, basically it will produce a code that students can log on to via their cell phone. And even if they're in different parts of the building, they all can basically compete in gaining points for answering questions correctly. And it does it in a way that offers that that same type of stimulation that video games give us. Like when we, let's say we're playing a football game, we score a touchdown, you know, you get all the bells and the whistles. It's the same thing with applications such as Quizlet. Another one that I've utilized in the past is iCivics. And iCivics is basically like a simulation where students can, if they're learning the Bill of Rights, can become lawyers and they basically open up a law firm and clients would come in with different issues. And let's say it's an issue involving somebody using foul language in a public space. Does the freedom of speech, our First Amendment, protect somebody's rights of using curses in the public? And you'll have to kind of read through the Constitution, the Bill of Rights as a whole and gain that understanding when you're dealing with these clients. And once again, it does it in a gamified way that is a bit more engaging for certain students. So I really like gamification and how we can utilize it to keep our students interest. But also from an educator's perspective, it loosens up the vibes a little bit in the classroom, if that makes sense. Sometimes when you're dealing with challenging subjects, it's easy to turn students off, which in turn will frustrate the teacher. But if you're doing something that even you can find enjoyment in, it's okay to add a little versatility to your classroom. And I like to teach out of the book, but then I also like to utilize the smart board and YouTube videos at times. So I think it's important that we diversify our methods of teaching and how we introduce content to our students to keep them more engaged. So gamification is also another example of educational technology. So in addition, we also have MOOCs, also known as Massive Open Online Courses. You can check out MOOC.org. There are many different courses that are available. If you just want to learn something new, you might want to teach yourself something about coding. You might want to learn a little bit about cybersecurity. The cool thing, once again, about MOOCs is they are free. OK, so if you're trying to change your career, if you're thinking that you want to develop a little bit more in your particular field, if you are just a lifelong learner, somebody that wants to pick up new skills, you can check out MOOCs online. So once again, that website is MOOC.org and it's it's just basic free online courses for people that want to better themselves or just want to learn something new. So that's also a huge part of educational technology. Thinking about other pieces, right? Soft skill development is another thing that ed tech can help you excel in. So I know for me, one of the things that I want to do after I earn my doctorate is I want to learn another language. And I found this application that we can utilize on a virtual reality headset called Immerse, which basically puts you in real world scenarios while you're learning this different language. So if I'm learning Spanish, it will put me 
let's say on a city strip and I can go into the post office. I can go inside of a restaurant and I can talk to people in the language because that everyday speech, that everyday conversation is going to help to reinforce and cement the language stronger in my mind. So this is something that is really cool. And I think that soft skills are things that our adolescents really need to work on because during the COVID pandemic, a lot of our students lost the socialization. They lost the art of of teamwork. They unfortunately became more immersed into their phones, definitely limited their soft skill development. So now we're in a situation with due to the educational technology that is progressing daily, we can build on those soft skills. So when you think about certifications now, I know Meta has free scholarships for African-Americans that are interested in, let's say, learning digital marketing. Okay, And once you finish this course, you will get that Meta certification. I know LinkedIn also offers certification courses. These are additional things that we can use to booster our skills, our development and things that we can add to our resume. So these certifications come to us by way of ed tech. These courses are all online. You can access them via your smartphone. So I feel like the certifications and the badgings that these companies offer are also helping us get into doors that we might not have previously been invited to. So once again, check out Meta, M-E-T-A, check out their scholarships, their free scholarships for African-Americans, because these are certifications that you can gain Within two to three months, you can, you know, you go on your own pace, on your own time. But educational technology has opened up uh, a world of accessibility. So now, once again, I'm saying this to you, but this is a global opportunity. This is not something that's just limited to just one country. And that is the beauty of ed tech. It's like an equalizer. It puts us more on an equal playing field no matter where I live. No, no matter where I'm at. Now, there's other issues that we have to address with that. So when we talk about accessibility, we know that the digital divide, unfortunately, prevents everybody from having this accessibility. But once we are able to close that gap and make sure that people in rural areas, people in urban areas have access to the tech, then educational technology as a whole will be more of an equalizer. Like whatever you want to learn, you want to learn something Let's go online and let's get to it. The last piece that I want to speak on in terms of ed tech expansion, of course, is one of my most favorites is virtual reality, augmented reality. I'm really excited about the potential of this technology. And I literally I'm going to have to do a whole episode on VR. I'm going to have to do a couple episodes on VR because it's there's just so much to get into. But I'll tell you from an entertainment perspective, since this show does focus on ETE and how they intersect education, technology, entertainment, how it intersects, how it interconnects. I was blown away when I saw the notorious B.I.G. Sky's the Limit VR experience. It was basically Biggie Smalls in concert. There was four things that like really blew my mind. Number one, the interaction with other avatars within the concert space i thought was really cool because one thing that people say about technology is that it isolates people it doesn't give people the opportunity to 
to socialize and build. But with this concert experience, you were in this hall with other music fans, with other listeners. And as the concert is going on, you know, there are little mini conversations that are happening. And I thought that was just so cool because I'm like, here I am, like literally meeting people from all over the world. And some of them are singing along to the song. Some of them are reminiscing about what they were doing back when Biggie was alive. It's just like little stuff that I was just hearing. And I was just like, wow, this is really cool. You know, like somebody might say, yo, this is my favorite song. Yo, that's my favorite song too. So it feels like it's a shared experience, although you're in your living room with this headset on your head. That was one of the things that blew my mind. Um, the visual effects, what they also refer to as VFX. VFX is the process by which imagery is created or manipulated outside of the context of live action. So, of course, the notorious B.I.G., he's a digital figure in this, but they also have live performers. The locks are there. Little C's. Diddy is there. So, well, no, I think Diddy's was also a digital image, but the other performers, they were they were there. So it's like putting these digital figures, putting these digital backgrounds in the mix with live performers. I thought that was really, really cool. So it's CGI elements that also come together to create this realistic imagery. And the effects is, is, is amazing because it didn't look awkward. Although you have this digital figure of the Notorious B.I.G. and with actual people, it blended seamlessly and it, and, and it looked authentic and as authentic as it could possibly look but it was it just was a mind-blowing experience number three was a nostalgic effect as i get older i can see why when i was younger older people used to reminisce so much <laughs> there's just something very wholesome about the time period that we grew up in even if on the outside like, cause I, I'm an '80s baby. I grew up in the '90s, and the '90s was crazy. But as a kid, you don't really see the '90s for what they were until you, like, you're out of it. Then you go back and you read some of the news because people will say things like, "It's 2023, 2024. Things are out of control. Things are crazy. Murders, robberies, all these things that are happening in the streets." But the late '80s and '90s were were worse, according to some of the crime statistics. But I lived in those eras and I didn't think about all of those those horrific things that were happening. And not to say I didn't think about them. Of course, I heard stories, but that's still a nostalgic period that I loved. I, I loved growing up during that time, whereas other people that might have been adults during that time will look back at the 80s and 90s with disdain. For me, it was like this golden era. Right. As I get older. So the nostalgia of listening to Biggie Smalls, because Biggie's first album dropped when I was a freshman in high school. His last album dropped when I was coming like my junior to my senior year. So it was kind of like I I grew up in a sense listening to Big. You know, that 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 adolescent time period of high school, 13, 14, all the way to 17, 18. There's a lot that happens emotionally, mentally, physically for adolescents. And I listened to a lot of Biggie back then. And I just when I'm watching it today in 2023 and I'm hearing those songs, it just really, it made me feel good. It gave me that nostalgic effect. So that was my number three. Number four was the fact that the creators, Hyper Real, all right, that was the company that helped put this, this project together. They actually 
spoke with Valletta Wallace, Biggie's mom. And I think that's so important because where it would get a little funky for me in terms of, you know, people's trepidation, fear, anxiety towards looking at how the technology can create people that are no longer here. I, I definitely, I, I feel that. But who would know Biggie better than his mom, his family, his friends, little C's, right? The people that they actually did, you know, the people that they actually consulted with. So I feel as, in my opinion, as long as you are paying respects to the family, you're talking to them, you're making sure that they're cool with it. People are still going to disagree, but I feel like it's all good. It's a go, especially if it's introducing Biggie to new audiences. It's keeping his legacy alive. It's one of those things that his estate in terms of he has children, right? His children can still eat off that. So I feel like that that's an important thing. So building with the family was also extremely important to me. So that, that was my fourth. As we continue on, that, that was like looking at that situation. And like I said, I want to do a whole episode about virtual reality. I don't want to talk about it too much, but I just see so much potential with VR. I know what people are, are their fears are. But I think about the people that are isolated by force, not by choice. People that might be bedridden, that can experience a concert with other people there and how joyful that would be for them. Especially if I can't move. If I can get up and go to a concert, that's one thing. But sometimes we look through this, this ed tech lens in a space where... It's like if if it's not something that I like, I don't want anybody else to like it. Or I think I can make that decision for everybody else. And you have to look at it from different perspectives. Like maybe some of the technologies that EdTech pushes is not something that you would be into, right? Because you have the ability to walk outside, walk into a building, go see a concert physically. Emotionally, you can be in a space around other people. Some people, they, they haven't come outside since COVID, right? You know, they, they might not feel comfortable going to a big venue with 30, 40,000 people for whatever reason. I'm not judging them. So these are alternatives that people can use if they physically, emotionally, mentally can't be in bigger spaces. So let's just forget about the, the concert because we was like, well, that's entertainment. Let's add museums to this now. There are virtual reality museum spaces. There's an app called Wander where I can go to the White House. I can go inside of the White House. I can see the paintings on the wall. I can see the different rooms. I might not ever get that experience if I'm bedridden. So now this is just giving people alternatives. So I look at EdTech to just to wrap up this segment. EdTech helps us to do things with more ease, period. All right, so we're going to go briefly into the historical perspectives of EdTech. EdTech development started early in the 20th century. When we think about educational technology, we could just start off with television and radio. Those types of things educated us, right? The news, even down to the weather, the traffic, right? That, that's a piece of educational technology. That big old heavy projector that got wheeled into our classrooms back in the 80s and early 90s, that was a way for teachers to display visual materials. I remember, okay, speaking, going back into television, I remember watching Magic Johnson announce that he had HIV 
on TV in school. Like they willed the television in on that on that big uh <laughs> whatever that thing was called, man, that rack. They brought the rack in with the TV on top of it. They plugged it in and we watched that announcement. And then after that, we watched the Ryan White story. Just so we had the understanding of what HIV was. HIV wasn't just a sexually transmitted disease. It is STD, but it's not just that. The Ryan White story. I'll never forget that. We we watched all of those things. So that was technology, okay, the television introducing education to us in a way that maybe our teacher couldn't explain it. Physically watching the Ryan White story on TV and then physically watching Magic Johnson make that announcement on TV, that had more of an impact. So that's in the 1970s to about the 1990s. So we talked about radio, TV, um, projectors, overhead projectors, things like that. So then in the late 90s, okay, 2000s, you know, we start looking at computers because there were always computers around, but like it wasn't like every student had their own personal computer. It'd be like we go to the library, there's like two computers and we all get like five minutes on the computers. And if you were 80s baby like me, you know, one of the games that we played on those computers to teach us about early civilization in America, Oregon Trail. Yes, the Oregon Trail. And this Oregon Trail game, you're like a traveler. You're, you're, you're traveling from different areas and you have your family with you and you go through all different types of trials and tribulations as you travel in the early 19th century. It was really cool. Really, really cool. And Oregon Trail was an educational game. It became extremely popular. And then along with that, there were also other small education modules that we had on the computers that we would utilize. Around that time in high school, I got my job working at Burger King. So even that, that, that video that I watched that taught me about washing my hands and making the burgers, cooking the fries, that was educational technology. So the internet definitely provided an ed tech revolution. Because now these resources are they're they're available at the click of a button. Now, the issue, once again, is that digital divide. Now Everybody had the Internet. But if you had access to the Internet, it, it's a revolution because now I can look up anything that I need to look up. Right. The Encyclopedia Britannica's that we used to have are collecting dust now because everybody's coming to the net. That's when the LMSs start to come in. The learning management systems start to come in, of course. The MOOCs that we mentioned earlier, other open educational resources, they're all starting to be available now. Things are starting to go online. This is me leaving high school, going into college, and now the internet is becoming more popular. Moving into the, the 2000s, of course, these mobile devices start to get a little more smart. Initially, if you remember the old phones, it was no internet on those phones. It was just text and call. And if you were like me, you had that uh, you had to wait till nine o'clock <laughs> to, to, to utilize your time. Any call after nine o'clock was free. Other than that, you're buying these phone cards to pay for your minutes. You had to literally pay for minutes on the phone. And that's such a foreign concept today. But that's what we had to do. Ebooks, interactive media, digital textbooks as the 2000s go on, start to become more popular. OK, and then the smartphone, of course, it, it makes learning on the go a lot easier. So now if I'm sitting on the train, sitting on the bus, I can I can get my information. I can look up news articles. I can study, do whatever it is that I have to do. And gamification also comes around this time, of course, as well. 
you know, using games uh, for educational purposes and adaptive learning systems, which basically focus on areas like micro learning that you actually need versus just a one size fits all type of situation. So if I'm learning about, you know, construction, but I'm, I'm interested in the plumbing side, then these adaptive learning systems are going to focus on plumbing content. It's not going to start talking about painting and installing windows and other things that construction might entail. So these are, this is just basically the development of educational technology over time. Of course, we're talking about virtual reality, augmented reality now coming into effect. And AI is, is obviously the next generation of that. So AI is helping teachers in ways that we could have never imagined. I mean, you can literally plot your whole semester or your whole year on, on, on artificial intelligence now. It's something that we have to become more used to because I feel like you still have to have those reading and writing skills because apps like ChatGPT are only going to respond to as much information as you give it. So if you're not really good at articulating questions, then ChatGPT is still going to be kind of useless to you. You still have to have those communication skills is what I'm saying. So it's not like the technology literally replaces our brains. No, you still have to have that there. But what I love about EdTech is that in addition to making educational content easier to understand or making it more accessible or easier to present, it also was helping out our population of people that suffer from disabilities. And I'm going to get more into this in later episodes, but we also have educational technology that's assistive technology to people that have disabilities. With assistive technology, there are two types. There's low tech and there's high tech. So low tech are things that don't have to be plugged in that can help our students to learn. So something as simple as a ruler is an example of educational technology that's low tech. Anything that has to be plugged in is more high tech. So like a speech reader, something that students can use maybe if they're 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 reading a book and maybe they they don't have their vision, they're blind. They can use a speech reader to literally read the book to them. That might have to be something that's battery operated or plugged in. Educational technology is creating opportunities for people with disabilities that were never there before. And that alone is a reason to champion the technology. It really is because I think about some of the students I've worked with with disabilities in the past. It's not something that they asked for. It's not something that they wanted. It's something that they have to live with. So if we can make their lives easier through technology, why wouldn't we do that? Why wouldn't we champion that? So one of the main reasons why I started this podcast too, because I, I think about the people that I, I want to influence, the ears that I want to capture. And we just need more people that are stepping into spaces to help people. This is becoming like, I love the ETE. Like I love, I love entertainment, but I'm, I'm trying to find ways that we can make entertainment work for us in ways that is less destructive. Cause when I look at it now, unfortunately, I just see a lot of destructive elements within the entertainment culture, especially when it comes down to urban culture. That's another conversation though we can have, we could have another time. So EdTech is going to continue to evolve rapidly. I mean, there, there's no way around it, whether, you, whether you're for it or whether you're not for it. It is something that's going to be interconnected in the needs of educators, students, and of course, corporations all around the world. They're going to be more dependent on it. So it's, it's, it's important that 
we expose ourselves to some of the things that are happening. Hopefully now you have a better understanding of what educational technology is. This is the EdTech App 1 episode. So there's going to be a part two to this that's going to come out shortly. And then I'm going to get into what my experience looked like in terms of me taking this major of educational technology. I got my master's in ed tech. What did I learn? So I want to speak about my experience with my first two classes. Big shout out to Dr. Kozar and Dr. Jimenez. They were the first professors that exposed me to the world of educational technology through Dr. Kozar's learning theory and behavior class and Dr. Jimenez's intro to ed tech. So I want to speak a little bit about those experiences in my next episode. Thank you for checking out the Kobe podcast. This was the Ed Tech app. My name is D Bell. I'm your host. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to just share as much information with you all as I can. So take care and I'll see y'all next time. Log on to grusselmedia.com and you know you can check out some of my entertainment content. Big shout out to Podbean because Podbean is my official OG distributor. And through Podbean, I was able to have my podcast end up on some of the more major streaming platforms. So I'm grateful for that. Make sure you subscribe, like, share, all those things. If there's something specific that you want to talk about in terms of ETE literacy, you can hit me up at edtechbailey.com number one edtechbailey1 at gmail.com that's edtechbailey1 at gmail.com i will see y'all on the next episode of the cold beat podcast thanks for listening